John 13. We will be looking at the verses that Patience just read. And uh, Peanuts, in one Peanuts uh, comic strip, Snoopy is sitting on his doghouse typing on a typewriter. And Charlie Brown walks up and says to him, I hear you're writing a, writing a book on theology. That's supposed to be a joke. And walking away, Charlie Brown says to Snoopy, I hope you have a good title. And Snoopy, he, he stops typing. He lifts up his head and he says to himself, I have the perfect title. Then he drops his head and he puts his paws back on the typewriter and he types this title. Has it ever occurred to you that you might be wrong? That is an awesome title for a theology book in America because none of us ever think we're wrong. Those people over there are the wrong ones. It never occurs to some of y'all that parts of y'all theology might just be wrong. It never occurs to you that your political tribe might be wrong. It never occurs to Christians in America that Christianity in America might be wrong about the gospel and its implications. It never occurs to some of you that your Christian group might be wrong in their understanding of Jesus and the role of the church in society. And that's why some of y'all have been blindly worshiping a Plato Jesus for years. A Plato Jesus who is shaped and, and molded into the image of your culture, your ethnicity, your nationality, your economic system, your political affiliation, and your system of government. But the real authentic Jesus of the Bible isn't an idol you can control. He's not a commodity that you can use and abuse. These are statements. The real authentic Jesus says this to all y'all this morning. I don't think so. Homie, don't play that. So turn around, come again, and this time come correct. I am not your Plato Jesus. The real authentic Jesus is a human Jewish son. He is Jewish. He is a divine son of God. The real authentic Jesus is the God man, fully God and fully human. He's the prophet, priest, and king, friend of sinners, Emmanuel, God with us in the flesh. The real, authentic Jesus, he washes the feet of all kinds of sinners. Amen? He's the perfect high priest. He's the lamb of God. He's the good shepherd. He's the light of the world. He's the savior, and he's the Lord. The real, authentic Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering the sight of the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's Jesus, the real Jesus. He also says, I am divine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do 
nothing. But do we believe that? Do we believe that? The real Jesus, the real authentic Jesus, he he loves his people with a love that will not let them go. Amen. It's a love that follows all of our ways. It's a love that that seeks us through pain. It's a love that lifts up our head. It's a love based completely on who Jesus is. It's a love that that washes us completely with his blood that was shed on the cross for all of our sins. And it's a love that washes our feet daily. And this morning we're going to see that this love, Jesus' love, a love that, that won't let us go. It's also a love that does what 2 Corinthians 5.14 says. The love of Christ compels us. Are y'all asleep? It compels us to extend the same kind of love we freely receive to Jesus to our neighbors. Your Christian neighbors. And your non-Christian neighbors, neighbors who look and think and vote like you and neighbors who look and think and vote differently than you. Even your neighbors who have a different view of sexuality and gender. He has called us to love. The way Jesus loves y'all should compel y'all to love your neighbor as yourself. Do you believe it? Do you live it functionally? That's what Jesus shows us in our passage today. And before we move forward, please pray with and for me. Holy Spirit, I pray that the word that is preached today would be a, a, that would be a word that glorifies Jesus. It would be a word that encourages our hearts and our minds that you know what we need to hear. You know what the preacher man needs to hear. So, Holy Spirit, be our counselor. Be the one who leads us into all truth. Be the one who, who, who convicts us and, and heals us and, and change us, Holy Spirit. Will you do that for our good and for the glory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Saints and John 13, Jesus and his disciples are enjoying their final Passover meal together in an upper room in someone else's home. Fellowship takes place in this upper room. Laughter takes place. Conversations are taking place. And I imagine Jesus sitting there taking it all in. Feeling all kinds of, of emotions as he, as he listens to the conversations between his disciples. And knowing in his heart that this is his last meal with them. They don't know that yet. But he knows. Picture that for a moment. He's, he's feeling this stuff. And at the same time, he's, he's thinking to himself about the suffering that he's getting ready to experience. Remember, Jesus is human, too. Okay? So he, he, he experienced the same type of emotions that we do. 
And so with full knowledge of who he is and, and feeling all these kinds of emotions, Jesus gets up from the meal. Remember last week's sermon. He gets up from the meal. He lays aside his robe, takes a towel, ties it around his waist, and he pours some water in a bowl. And then he kneels down and washes and dries the disciples' feet. The washing of the feet has two meanings. Two meanings. The first meaning is a spiritual meaning, which I talked about last week. And the spiritual meaning is not salvation. Do I just need to hold this up the whole time? I need y'all to talk to me. The spiritual meaning is post-salvation work of Christ in the life of his people. And who are his people? They are the ones who have saving faith in him. People who have confessed their sins, repented of their sins, and asked Jesus for forgiveness, and have surrendered their whole life to him in faith. These are the people who have been fully washed by his precious blood that was shed for their sins on Calvary. But these same people still struggle with sin and even heinous sin. Do you believe Christians can commit heinous sins? Or is it just for the pagans? Christians do too. And because of these sin struggles, our feet, they they get dirty. And the spiritual meaning of the foot washing is Jesus' work of sanctification in the lives of his people through the work of the Holy Spirit. That's what the feet washing represents, because Jesus knows, yes, you're clean before the father. But I also know you're going to still struggle with sin. The church will still struggle with sin. The feet washing is a daily forgiveness and healing that Jesus continues to give those who have faith in him. His work in your life didn't start and end with salvation. It's the beginning of the work. Every believer has areas of their life that still needs to be crucified and resurrected. All of us. First John 1 verses 9 and 10 says, if we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and do his word. Is not in us. The work of sanctification is the spiritual meaning of the feet washing. Now, what about the second meaning? The second meaning is ethical. Well, what does that mean, Pastor? Saints, the ethical meaning it talks about, it deals with ethics which is on display in the upper room. And according to Oxford's Dictionary, ethics are the moral principles that governs a person's behavior or the conduct of an activity. Many theologians see ethics in the Bible as virtue ethics that focuses on moral reasoning and conduct and character development. The ethical meaning of the feet watching is virtue ethics, Christ-like thinking, Christ-like living and Christ-like character. That's what it means. Way FM 
is a Christian contemporary radio station in Huntsville, Alabama. And the station created a concept that's similar to pay it forward. It's called the drive through difference. It's where you pay for the food of the person behind you in the drive through and, and, and the station's uh, DJs, it, it encourages all their listeners to, to participate in the drive through difference. It's a simple act of kindness. It's, it's paying it forward. It's doing something kind for someone because you yourself have benefited from the kindness of somebody else. And as for Christians, that is the kindness of Jesus. Has Jesus been kind to you? Since Jesus makes a difference in your life, you should intentionally seek to make a difference in the life of another person. And here's the thing. Your politics won't lead you to do that. Because politics is about policies, not people. Jesus is about people. And so should we be about people. It's like what Abraham told Moses in in Galatians 12 2, he says, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you, make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Amen, saints. Every believer in the sanctuary and, and is watching on Facebook Live, you have been blessed by Jesus and you are currently being blessed by him. He has blessed you so you so you don't hoard the blessings, but so you can be a blessing to others. The ethical meaning of the foot washing, it flows out of what Jesus is doing in your life. His love for you should compel you to love him and to love other people. That's our motivation, saints. You don't have to go to a conference. Just read the Bible and believe it. You don't have to listen to TED Talks. Read the Bible and do what it says. It's here. It's right here. Jesus, after he washes and dries the disciples' feet, he gets up off his knees, puts back on his robe, resumes his place. He sits back down at the dinner table, and then he asks them a question about what just happened. He asked them a question with, 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 with ethical implications. He asked them, do y'all understand what I have done to y'all? The you in, in this whole chapter is plural. So if Jesus was southern, he would be y'all. Do y'all comprehend it? Do y'all grasp it? Do y'all realize? Do y'all understand the, the ethical meaning of what I have done for y'all? Jesus knows they don't understand. And so he he explains it in a way that they would get it, that they would understand the ethical meaning. He says, you call me teacher and master and you are right. For so I am. Notice something here. He doesn't say anything about them addressing him as son of God, the Messiah, the Christ, the Redeemer. These are his divine titles. Master and teacher. These are his earthly titles. And his disciples don't fully understand that Jesus is also divine. But what they do understand, they know he's a man. They know he's human. They understand and know that within their circles, Jesus is the boss. 
He's the teacher. He's the master. And these are titles of respect and, and honor and reverence and leadership. That's what, these are what teachers and students and disciples would show to their leaders. And so Jesus is the leader of the group. And so the leader, the teacher, and the master of the group humbles himself before his disciples by taking on the role of a servant. And he washes their dirty feet. Jesus doesn't lord his authority and position over his disciples. What does that mean? He doesn't abuse his power. He's the lead servant among them as well as the master and teacher. He doesn't let his titles prevent him from taking the role of a servant. Nor does he use his titles as an excuse to limit the way he loves these men. That's what we do. That's what we do. Because once we advance to a certain earthly level, we think certain things are beneath us. Because we worship a Plato Jesus that we control, that we boss around, that we shape and mold, that's created in our image, who is never allowed to say, it's my way. We tell Plato Jesus, it's our way. That's what we do. He lays his titles aside and shows them the full expression of his love. He washes and dries their feet. And what flows out of his actions is his expectation that his disciples would do the same thing among them. So the ethical meaning is for them to wash each other's feet as Jesus has washed their feet. Is the church in America currently following this example? No, we are not. We don't want the real Jesus. We need to be honest about that. The real Jesus is more radical than we can even imagine. We don't want him. You can't handle him. Because he comes in and he turns things over. He comes in your house and starts rearranging the furniture. And we don't like that Jesus. We want a Jesus that we can control, that, that, that does what we say. But the real authentic Jesus, if you're going to come to him in faith, he's going to come into your life and he's going to rearrange stuff. And it would not be comfortable. He says in verses 14, 15, if then I, your master and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should also do just as, have, just as I have done for y'all. The Greek term translated ought can also means to be obligated to do. This is a phrase. He, he, this phrase is only used by Jesus twice in the Gospels. Three times here. And then uh, twice, I'm sorry, here in John 13 and in Luke 17. He only uses this phrase twice. Here in John 13 and in Luke 17. This obligation, this obligation carries some moral and ethical expectation and responsibility. It means one is compelled to do something. The disciples are obligated and compelled to wash one another's feet. 
And this obligation directly flows out of what Jesus has done for them. See, we Christians in America, we look for other things to compel us to do what's right. And for most of us, it's our politics. If you got to depend on that to do what's right, that that didn't die for you. Democrats didn't die for you. Republicans didn't die for you. They'll never lead you to do what is right. You know the one. You have faith in the one. He's left us an example. We just don't want to do it. And we just need to be honest and repent. He says, I have given you an example in order that y'all should do as I have done for you. Do you understand what Jesus has done for you? Do you understand? He left a place that was great. Please know that. He left a place that was comfortable. Please know that. He left a place that was free of sin and free of suffering and free of shady people. He had had his best life. He was living it. But then he decided to come down here to be with us. You need to know <laughs> that was a humiliation for him. He is the only one that has friends in low places. The only one who can say that, and it's true. None of us do. Jesus has given us an example. The real, authentic Jesus has given us an example. And we should do for others as he has done for us. Jesus is clear about what he expects from his disciples and what he expects for you if you have faith in him. He wants you to follow in his footsteps. He has not called you to do something he has not already done. The footprints are already in the sand. You're not creating new footprints. You're walking in the ones Jesus has left behind. He's given us a pattern. Paul told the Philippians, the Ephesians, be imitators of God. And that is what Jesus is telling us. Be imitators of me. Do as I say and do as I do. Christ-like thinking, Christ-like living, and Christ-like character development. And Christ-like humility. The Message Bible's translation of Philippians 2, 5 and 8 says, Think of yourselves the way, of Christ, the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. Listen to this. He had equal status with God, but did not think so much of himself that he clung to the advantages that that status offered, no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity. Do you understand that? He set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave. Who am I talking to? I mean, that is good stuff. That is good stuff. And became human. Having become human, he stayed uh, human. It was an incredible, humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a sinless, obedient death and the worst of all kind of death of crucifixion. Again, we can't handle the real, authentic Jesus. If we're honest, because he's more radical than we can even think. 
the disciples are to think of themselves the same way Christ thinks of himself, a humble lead servant. That is the role of the church. But we want power, privilege, and prosperity. The unholy trinity of American culture. He's one who comes to serve, not to be served. Is humility. Truly, truly, I say to y'all, a servant is not greater than his master. And a messenger is not greater than the one who sent him. Who's sending you? The disciples are servants. We're servants. We're the messengers. Are we greater than Jesus? If Jesus washes feet, then they should wash feet, literally and figuratively. And the same is true for us, for y'all. If you have faith in Jesus, if you trust him as Lord and Savior, then Jesus has expectations for you. Since he washes feet, Y'all are expected to wash the feet of other believers and other people. Your neighbors. Neighbors who look and think and vote like you. Neighbors who look and think and vote differently than you. Even neighbors who have a different view of gender and sexuality. Remember, Jesus washed the feet of a man who betrayed him. Again, he ain't calling you to do nothing he hasn't done. He washed the feet of a man who said, I'll never deny you, Lord. All may deny you, but, 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 but me, Lord, I never deny you. And Peter denied him three times. And Christ still washed his feet before he did it. He washed the feet of people who, who, who were supposed to be his friends. And then when he got arrested, man, these jokers abandoned him. Man, like roaches turned on the light in the, in the, in the kitchen. They scattered like roaches. Again, he ain't calling you to do something he hasn't done. And if y'all are saying to yourself, if y'all are saying to yourselves, I will not wash the feet of people who are liberal, socialist, and progressive. I will never wash the feet of people who are conservative and capitalist. Then you are worshiping the Plato Jesus. That ain't the root authentic Jesus. That's not how Jesus loves you. If you're saying to yourself, I'm not washing the feet of racist people. I'm not washing the feet of of people who are anti-racist. I'm not washing the feet of protesters. I'm not washing the feet of Trump supporters. I'm not. I'm going to step on all y'all feet before I'm done. I'm not washing the feet of people who are tearing down Confederate monuments. Monuments. I'm not washing the feet of people who who see activism and justice differently than me. I'm not washing the feet of people who won't wear masks. I'm not washing the feet of people who demanded that we defund the police. I'm not washing the feet of people who keep talking about systemic racism and white supremacy. And if you're saying that to yourself, then you are worshiping a play doh Jesus. Who did Jesus come to save? Not the righteous, the lost. A play doh Jesus allows you to be greater than him. He allows you to tell him what you're going to do and not do. Because a plate of Jesus is always shaped in your image. It's shaped in your image. And some of y'all need to read Snoopy's book. Have it ever occurred to you that you might be wrong? The real, authentic Jesus says, I have given y'all an example that y'all should do as I have done for you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, and a master not greater than the one who sent him. Your political party hasn't sent you. 
And all you if you all you're doing is regurgitating their message, Plato Jesus. If all you do is regurgitating the movements that, that are not truly Christian, Plato Jesus. Saying Jesus washes the feet of other people, then his people who are called by his name must do it for his glory. So get a bucket of water, get on your knees and start washing it and stop complaining. We think the implications of the gospel are comfortable. We do. When people say, I just want to be like Jesus. We think that's comfortable. We don't really know what we're asking. We, we'll cry about it. We get all emotional about it. Oh, I have this, this Holy Spirit moment, this, this Christian camp moment. I, I want to be like Jesus. Are you sure you know what you're asking? We think being like Jesus like a kid in the candy store. Just go around and get all the sugar you want. Being like Jesus. And the implications of the gospel are uncomfortable. It's like a kid in a dentist chair. There's a cost. Our problem is that we become the Pharisees of the day in the causes that we fight and take up as Christians. We become self-righteous. And we become the Pharisees of the day. And Jesus says, woe is you. We can repent of our pride and self-righteousness. And we can ask the Holy Spirit to to bless us with, with the humility to wash the feet of other people. Jesus says, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. And I'm not speaking to all of y'all. That's a beatitude for 11 disciples, not 12. One of the disciples isn't clean. One isn't chosen. That's Judas. And Jesus isn't expecting Judas to know these things, nor is he expecting Judas to do them. He is expecting Judas to betray him, even though he just got his feet washed by Jesus. Jesus communicates this in verses 19 through 30. Jesus, Judas eventually leaves the upper room. How many of y'all need to be like Jesus? Get up and leave because you really ain't about this life. You're playing. The life of loving God and loving neighbor. Micah 6, 8 says, he has told you, O man, what is good. What does the Lord require of y'all but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? If the church in America just did that, we won't probably won't be having all the crap we're dealing with now. If you're here watching, if you're here or watching on Facebook Live and, and you don't know Jesus in the faith, then Jesus is not expecting you to, to follow in his footsteps. He's not expecting you to wash feet. Following his example won't make you clean if you don't know Christ in faith. It will make you look good before the people on social media, but it won't make you good before God. You need to be, you need, your whole body needs to be washed in the blood of Christ. And once that happens, you can walk in his footsteps through the power of the Holy Spirit. And to do this, you must surrender your life to him. And if you already know him, you need to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you the areas of your life where you worship a Plato Jesus, because we all have them. 
We all have them. But do you have the humility enough to say, Holy Spirit, show me. Show me. After Judas leaves the room, Jesus gives the 11 disciples a new commandment. This new commandment expresses what is truly behind the foot washing and the ethical meaning. He says, a new commandment that I give you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. So also you should love one another. By this, all people would know that you are what? My disciples. There's a lot of people in the world that doesn't know we're disciples because we don't know how to love one another. We're only known for what we're against, not for what we're for. It's like what Galatians 6, 9 and 10 says, let's not grow weary in doing good. For in due season you will weep if you not give up. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. If you can't love other believers well, then how are you going to love the pagans? The unbelievers. How can you? You can't. Not with the way the love of Christ. Romans 12, 17, 18 says, do not repay no one for evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, as long as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Real genuine. Philippians 2 says, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection or sympathy, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in one accord and of one mind, doing nothing for selfish ambition and conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let us look not to our own interests, but also to the interests of others. Real Jesus. Does Jesus bless you? Then bless others. Does Jesus comfort you? Comfort others. Does Jesus forgive you of your sins? Then forgive those who sin against you. Is Jesus patient with you? Then be patient with others. Does Jesus give you mercy and grace daily? Y'all should be saying amen to this. Then give mercy and grace to others. Does Jesus shame you and guilt you for your failures and shortcomings? Then don't don't shame and guilt others. Does Jesus love you in deed and truth? then you love others in deed and truth. Does Jesus serve you? Then you serve others. Does Jesus sacrifice for you? Then sacrifice for others. Does Jesus hold you accountable? Then hold others accountable. Does Jesus return evil for evil? Then you don't return evil for evil. Does Jesus discriminate against you? No, then don't discriminate against others. Does Jesus continue to wash your feet daily? then you ought to wash the feet of other people daily. C.S. Lewis says, in my closing quote, because I'm hot and I'm sweating, and it's Father's Day. C.S. Lewis says, and please listen to this, it's easier to be enthusiastic about humanity with a capital H than it is to love individual men and women especially those who are uninteresting, irritating, depraved, and otherwise unattractive. Loving everybody in general may be be an excuse for loving nobody in particular. 
let that sink in. Let that, let that, let that pierce you. Loving, because Christians are known for saying, I love everybody. Loving everybody in general may be your excuse for not loving particular people. Jesus don't love in general. He loves particular people. And so shall we who are called by his name. Real Jesus, not Plato Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love particular people like us. Like us. That you're more radical than we give you credit for. And then, and then being like you, we really don't understand what we're asking. Because we think it's going to be comfortable. But Holy Spirit, I pray that those who are here and those that are tuning in, that they have received what they need to receive from this message. And if some of them are upset and ticked off with me, they need to go deal with you, not me. I'm just a messenger. Now, I also thank you for all the dads. Bless them. I pray that they will have a wonderful Father's Day. And it's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. Will y'all please stand?